Okay. I am very honored, flattered, all of that good stuff to announce I have a special guest slash co-host on the Wolf's Court. He is a, a close personal associate of mine. He's the man who goes by the name of Fast Toad. Fast Toad, welcome to the Wolf's Court. How the hell are you doing, man? I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you for having me. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, quite interesting for Toad to be in a Wolf's Court, but uh, we're going to make it work, I guess. <laughs> You're a Fast Toad as well, so you have an exit strategy just in case. Absolutely. Interestingly enough, uh, Fast Toad and I, we've been, we've been associated for a few years and, uh, we're both considerable fans of JoJo's and, uh, I, I'm just going to fire, fire the question away. Fast Toad, uh, what are some of your favorite things about JoJo's, if you don't mind? Ooh, ooh that's a nice one. Um, so, y- you know, I don't actually quite know. It's just, it's one of those shows where when you watch it, you think, this is so batshit crazy that it's just fun. Um, and you just keep watching. Um, and it sort of keeps dragging you in. Um, that and the characters are so weirdly fucked up in their own way that, um, you know, you kind of relate to each one, maybe besides Jonathan. But um, you, you kind of relate to Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Poor Jonathan. Joseph's, yeah, Jonathan just sucks, man. I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's a little too wet. And yeah, I have to agree with what you're saying there. You know, I was uh, watching watching this again. I really did think, my goodness, there's so much fucking weirdness going on here. This must be man. so hard to follow for some people. It's I I forgot, despite watching five seasons of it, I forgot how insane it is. I should probably throw a little precursor out there that uh, despite having some intel on the sides, I myself haven't read any of the manga. Uh, I, I might be judged for that, but from my perspective, I'm just more of an, uh, a tour de force kind of person. I Anime is incrementally my favorite medium to experience things because you've got the sights, you've got the sounds, and I just think it's the, the best possible way to experience something as insane and stimulating as JoJo's. I just want to clarify, I don't know if you read any of the anime, Fast Toad, or are you in the same, in the same boat as me? I'm actually one of the weird ones who reads the manga after watching the anime, because I absolutely hate spoilers. <laughs> you and me, well, Fast no. Toad knows better than most people my hatred for spoilers, which is quite something when the thing that we're reviewing has been around for what, 15, 20 years? I don't know, something like that. It's, it's a long time. I, I should have really rehearsed and looked into how long it was exactly. But what can you do? Okay, so uh, this is going to be the review for season six of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean. And it's the first JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to feature a female protagonist. Something we're both very excited about, you know, it's nice to see it mixed up. And I didn't know much about it, barring what I'd seen in social media groups. And also I I have the PlayStation game Eyes of Heaven, which uh, my son and I, we've not been able to play Chapter 6 because we don't want spoilers. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because effectively, barring, you know, some kind of memeable 
screenshots from the manga we're both going in pretty fresh and you think that's fair to say absolutely man i i mean i i will say that i was blown away within the first two minutes and that that says a lot you know <laughs> yeah yeah i i very much share your sentiments so we're going to go ahead and just jump right in now so the episode starts uh with jolene in a car crash and it's raining quite quite uh, vociferously and jolene uh-huh. says the interesting so, so, say that again no i was gonna say like gore on scene one you know what quentin tarantino paradise is this <laughs> oh yeah this is uh i i forgot how much iraqi and david production uh, have a punch on video gore yeah it was it was interesting and yeah so you've got jolene saying raining it's always raining which i thought was quite an interesting sound bite and i wonder if that's gonna uh feature a bit more uh, I don't have much more to say about this particular scene. So if you have anything to say, Fast Toad, fire away. I mean, in all honesty, um, I, I think the thing I noticed uh, besides the scene being gory and all that was that the, um, um, the, the art style was consistent with previous seasons, but the cut was as wacky as it was in, um, um, in the... Which season was it with uh, Joske, right? Dominus Unbreakable uh, season four. Season four. The color scheme was so so funky, right? The the, the clouds are purple, right? Um, and, and so straight away, it takes me back to that season four again, right? Where I'm thinking, okay, something's a bit out of out of place here. Yeah, that that's that's a good shout. It was. Uh, I do to some extent almost feel like. The art style for Stone Ocean is kind of like a hybrid of Diamond is Unbreakable mixed with Golden Wind, but somewhat closer to Diamond is Unbreakable. Yeah. Just the, kind of the starkness of what's going on. And I mean, what a powerful shot to start with, you know, but a necessary one, obviously, because it's what bloody happened, first of all. But yeah, it was, uh, we know we're into something interesting there. Unless you have anything else to say, I'm going to move into the next part. Go on, go on. Okay, so then we we go into a prison scene. We've got Jolene very viciously headbutting uh, a really fucking hard-looking metallic bed. And as someone who, in uh, early drunken, stupid uh, 20s, once headbutted a, a, sto- a wooden stool, I, I can concede that it shouldn't be done more than once. And my God, it was just, it, it was, I was, I was feeling the impact of her headbutting that bed. And obviously you're thinking, what the fuck is going on here? Why is she headbutting the bed? And then it turns out that she's, uh, basically expressing her incredible shame at the fact that she was caught masturbating by a male prison guard. Uh, any thoughts about that one, Fast Toad? Mate. As soon as that happened, you know, they hit they hit us with that gory scene one, and then straight away with the comedic relief, you know, I was thinking, how much more JoJo can this get? Like this is spot on. Yeah, just the classic uh, usage of a comical scenario. It was it was a great punchline the way that they jumped in with it. 
you found out that Jolene was ashamed of being caught. And it was an interesting part about that scene was it was the introduction of uh, a, a Joe Bro, as they call her, Joe Sis, not quite as catchy, but it's more accurate, of the character Ermis Costello, who we find laughing at Jolene and, uh, you know, really kind of rinsing her comedically, but in a, in a, a somewhat friendly fashion. And then uh, Jolene goes on to say that she'll never masturbate again, which is uh, difficult to believe as an adult. Uh, and, yeah. And what I found really interesting about Hermes there, just, just the first observation was that in a kind of familial, uh, close friend sense, she was laying into Jolene, but the second another prisoner with a lot of piercings on the face did the same thing. Hermes defended Jolene. So that was a that was a potent sign of uh, the sense of loyalty, I think, that Hermes Costello is probably going to go on to show. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah ab- ab- man, absolutely. I think the thing about Hermes that also sort of caught me there was just the, the sound of her voice. Like, it was so, you know, you know how certain bros... There's a certain tone in how they speak, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Struck me straight away. You know, you could tell this person was going to be there, you know, all throughout the season. Yeah, she she had quite a, a low kind of badass tone. She she reminded me a bit of a Baccio from Golden mm-hmm. Wind for the yes, kind of yeah. person who just instantly doesn't give a fuck, no nonsense kind of thing. I'm trying to think who that. I mean, to I guess to a degree, that's also what Jotaro is like, or Jotaro, to pronounce it more accurately. Uh, moving on, we then get to uh, see the entrance to the prison, and uh, very fortuitously, we see the first iconic menacing floating logo around the entrance, yes, uh, yeah. which is, you know, incredibly accurate. That's how I bloody feel if I was entering a prison. Uh, and we get to see the first instinct uh kind of inclination of jolene having some kind of otherworldly powers where she seems to hear things that other people can't hear which is which is interesting i have to say as well that my uh my son made an interesting observation about this but but i'll get to that uh where are we i've I've done actually go ahead i think i have that i think i have that same observation written down but we'll see what, what logan had to say Interesting, interesting. Uh, okay, I've I've scribbled most of. I should have done it on a desktop because these it's horrible. I've got the handwriting of a doctor to say politely or to say impolitely. The handwriting of a toddler. So so then we skip to seeing Jolene's lawyer, who if there was an award for the most obviously <laughs> evil fucking person, uh, he'd be a front runner. I mean, this guy looked like ears. a. It's like a fucking satyr. <laughs> His eyes are sticking out. He's got this weird ass hair. He's got a tie with question marks. I'm like, all right, this guy's fucking evil, you know? And uh, you're just watching it thinking, all right, how long before this guy does something? Despicable. Sure, sure. But you could tell a Rocky was playing an RPG game and he just fought like a dark elf or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, this seriously, this guy. And funnily enough, he's not half as weird as some of the other people we're going to see later on. Mm. Uh, so, where else have I got written here? The lawyer also shows Jolene some keepsakes, one being a brooch that looks 
insect-like. Uh, not quite to the level of being a ladybird, but, you know, the second we see it, we you know, okay, there's something stand-related here. And lo and behold, Jolene touches the artifact, keepsake, whatever you want to call it. She gets pierced by a stand arrow point, of course, of course. And uh, and then she feels a lot of pain and throws it away. And what could possibly go wrong with that outcome? So y- your thoughts on that, please. All of that. The um, lawyer, the, the brooch, everything. Um, so the first thing I noticed about the law, obviously the ears about the lawyer straight away caught my attention. Um, and the reason it caught my attention is because I felt like, and actually I think this is a theme throughout the season, is some characters are drawn so differently than what they'd usually be drawn like. And so they seem kind of alien-like. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the, the other thing was his tie had all these like mini question marks. And it straight away hit me. He's like, oh, man, that's a Batman Riddler type of person. who's just going to be a riddler it was like a hybrid of Riddler and Kira. Uh, carry on. Yes, yes, absolutely. But I think the, the biggest thing about that scene that sort of just hit me was, um, you know, and I, and I keep asking myself this question uh, all throughout this episode is, why do I like Jolene so much from the first moment? Um, and straight away, she hits you with the, um, you know, she has essentially daddy issues, right? Um, and I think, what that does is it just brings her down to earth and makes it kind of relatable to, to everyone. Yeah, I, I have to go with your point there for a second because you happened to watch the episode initially before I did and said that there's something magnetic about Jolene where you just instantly like her and uh, both both myself and the boy, we felt the same thing. Instantly you're like, okay, she's badass. I'm all in. You, you can you can definitely see that she's her father's daughter, 100%. and this is I found it very interesting that I mean I'm I'm kind of jumping ahead to things to come in the future, but the uh, the, the parallels between what happens at her age to what happens to Taro, uh, there, there's quite a few there I must say. And first of all, just Chitaro always talking to his mum like shit, and yeah. Jolene having similar sentiments. And uh, I guess an additional question would be, uh, how did you feel when you when you saw the stand arrow? Um, I, you know what? I just honestly, I didn't feel much because I just I expected it to, to come out there. You know, like as soon as I saw that little, you know, sort of pendant or, or uh, you know, whatever whatever you want to call it, um, I'm like, okay, here it comes, right? <laughs> here it comes. Let's see what this is about. Um, and so, you know, when I saw the, the arrowhead, um, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, understandable. Um, what struck my attention, though, was the photo. Uh, you know, I didn't expect Jotaro to, to, to sort of hook up with some, some blonde chick somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, I, I Yeah, yeah, that, that was surprising to me as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, it just was surprising. And I kind of completely forgot it was based in America and Florida as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the the Green Dolphin prison, to be exact, and I wonder if that could have any correlation to maybe the band Green Day, perhaps. Oh, um, actually, I, you know, this is because I, I listen to a lot of Miles Davis, but okay, there's a, here we go. A, a particular song um, by actually multiple jazz uh, artists, Miles Davis, I think um, 
uh, Bill Evans was in it. Um, Austin is a big uh, jazz man, I should add. Yes, yes. Uh, and so they have a song called um, Green Dolphin Street. Um, and oh, it's well. based on, yeah, <laughs> it's based on a book, actually, uh, that was a novel, um, also called Green Dolphin Street, I believe. Um, oh, I love the intel. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, so it's, it's funny you say that as well, because you've just reminded me, uh, if you remember at the end of season two of uh, Battle Tendency, when you've got old Joseph seen for the first time, and you can see if you kind of focus on it, that he's actually listening to the Beatles on cassettes. And interestingly, yes. I've been watching the, I've been watching the Beatles documentary. It's excellent. It's on uh, Disney Plus, and it's basically about uh, it's a nine hour three part episodic masterpiece with fly on the wall recordings edited by peter jackson who did a lot of the ring stuff and it's basically about their last album and i say this for a particular reason that one of their songs in the last album get back has the lyrics jojo and it made me think huh i think this might be what the whole thing is named after mate oh man the amounts of research you'd have to do to, to find that, man. I mean, kudos to you, bro. <laughs> well, thanks. I'd say the same thing with Green Dolphin. And, you know, kudos to Araki uh, for being just the most intelligent, crazy person ever. So uh, we're going to speed up ahead. And the final observation of that is it's pointed out to us that Jolene has the ability to hear things ahead of time. Quite why? We're not sure, but we'll, of course, find out more. So uh, we find out that Ernest is saying to Jolene that it's important to have money on you in prison. And Jolene, first of all, thinks she might be being facetious, just taking a piss or something. Um, he's doubled down, uh, doubles down saying, no, absolutely, you have to have money. And Jolene then asks, uh, "Why? where do you store this money? It, up your ass, which is why I assume some kind of, uh, yeah, you know, g g genitalia position. And Hermes, thinking outside the box in a horrifyingly inventive way, uh, stored the cash in the side of her boobs uh, next to where she had some surgery done. And I just thought, wow, that's that's dedication right there. And and we find out that, uh, you know, okay, so. I'm going to go back to that part in a second. Now we're going to the entrance of the prison where we see the menacing bonds all over the prison entrance. And this is where my son, who I haven't quite thought of his alias yet, actually. That's why I keep calling him my son. Because everyone on the show has some kind of a moniker. And he pointed out to me that the guard in the tower would, would have been very useless because the guard in the tower in the background had a shotgun on him. Oh, <laughs> oh, damn. I didn't notice that. Oh, ah, damn. Baby Wolf at it again. God damn. Uh, <laughs> why did he have a shotgun on him? What, yeah. Dumbass? <laughs> He's not getting anyone with that thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, unless the guard has some kind of standability. Um, Unlikely. You never know. Yeah. So, so what was your observation then that, that you wrote down then? I'm intrigued to know if it wasn't that one. Oh, it wasn't. No, actually, my observation was her stand very much reminded me of Joseph's stand. Um, and I thought that there might be some sort of like 
you know, a mesh between Joseph and, and, and Jotaro stand, right? Where it's some kind of in the middle. It has that vine ability, um, but also, you know, can punch the hell out of something. Yeah, very interesting. For some reason, I didn't think about that at all. All I was thinking is, man, this is so cool seeing someone with abilities like Spider-Man. That was the mm. first thing that kind of came to my head. And I just making my very shorthand notes, I refer to her ability as spirit web or soul string before we sort of stand, of course. So going back to what happens, uh, Jolene, here's ahead of time, the Hermes is being uh, accosted by two very crooked guards who attempt to sexually molest her and also get money from her. At this point, Jolene kind of instinctively uses her spirit web, soul string, to create some kind of a fish hook that goes all the way to Hermes, cuts off one of the guards' ears. I mean, that's what you get, motherfucker. Uh, which was intense to see. And then uh, Jolene realizes that the kind of spirit web connected back to her hand now with the money, the, the $50. And I thought that was pretty damn cool. And do you have any thoughts on that one, FT? Man, um, I just thought it was pretty bad. Like, another reason you, you straight away like Jolene, you know, um, just like that instant, you know, let me, you know, protect my mate in, in the prison cell when Hermes, uh, 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 you know, was, say, was just talking to the other girl with the, with the piercings. This felt kind of similar, right? Where she was just kind of, you know, hold up, maybe I can do something to help my girl out, um, who I've only met for the past, you know, hour. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I thought I was pretty badass. I was, straight away, I'm like, damn, I kind of like you even more now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. It was super cool, uh, very intense, and just nice to see that, that loyalty and that friendship just kind of build instantly, which is probably quite mm -hmm. necessary, I would think, in a, a prison jail, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we then go to see flashbacks of how Jolene got in the situation because the last comment she said was, I'm innocent, which I imagine many people say, at least we've been led to believe with pop culture in prisons. Uh, then we see Jolene is in a car with an absolute douchebag called Romeo with, or, or she called him Rochu. Uh, he had the, he had weird hair that was kind of like shaved blonde lines on the side of his head. Uh, he wanted to drink drive. Uh, Jolene didn't want him to do it. So he, he asked for some of a drink. She declined. Interestingly enough, she asked if he called her, if he would call her Jojo, which uh, he declined. So, so that's an interesting tidbit there. That, that was the first reference I think we had of uh, her being called Jojo. If, if not, it might have happened earlier when maybe her crooked lawyer said it. Yes, yes. Anyway, uh, go, go ahead. Yeah, um, it did happen earlier where the lawyer called her Jojo and she said, um, only my mom gets to call me that. So shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting enough because the one guy she did want to say it declined. So uh, Romeo gets distracted. He crashes into an unfortunate person. It's an impressive crash because the glasses are lodged in the windshield, something I've never seen before. And then there's a corpse hanging in a tree. 
they obviously freak out as as one would in that situation. Romeo pleads for Jolene uh, not to call the authorities or anything like that to help him hide the body, uh, which Jolene didn't want to do, understandably. Uh, but she loved him, so they went along with it. Uh, and then they put the body in the boot of his car. And then uh, we go from there to seeing uh, Jolene's crooked lawyer. What was this guy's name? Do you remember? I, I mean, I don't remember uh, them ever mentioning a name. They just kind of called him the lawyer. Yeah, I didn't think they did either. So that's why I didn't write anything down. Uh yeah, and then we've got the lawyer speaking to Jolene about uh, how to proceed with the case. Jolene uh, implicitly wants to say, hey, I want to plead innocent because I am innocent. I've done nothing wrong here. Well, I mean, she did do something wrong, <laughs> conspiring to cover a body. But, you know, it was under duress. Uh, and she, the, the lawyer I, I assures her. I don't know if you her, noticed this. Uh, go ahead. I don't know if you noticed this, man. But did she seem younger to you in the flashback? Yes. Wasn't right. she supposed yeah. to be 14 in the flashback? Wasn't that correct? Yes, but, but how long has she spent in prison? Like, as in, how old is she now? Is something we don't know. Well, um, I thought she was supposed to be 16, 17. That's what I thought. But yeah, I guess we probably should have just researched this. But yeah, I, I did have the same inquisition about exactly how old she was supposed to be. But it was also, you also got the impression she was younger just by her demeanor, how she was acting yes. in the car with Orochu. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then the lawyer goes on to say that he thinks she should plead guilty for uh, involuntary manslaughter, saying that after a year or two, she'll be on parole anyway, which I thought, listening to this, this is quite crazy. I said, my son. And, uh, and then she agrees to it. And then we, we speed up, we go ahead, and we're now in the court with a lawyer who, I guess in any other show, might look a bit weird, but in this show, he actually just looked like a a, a judge, I should say, a judge. And uh, he uh, agrees that it was involuntary, but then he says he cannot condone Jolene conspiring to cover up what happened to uh, the person who was run over because as it turns out additional information is that they dumped him in a swamp which is what in fact actually killed this person which is quite terrifying uh, to hear this bit of information back well, what did you think about that yeah uh, honestly I um, from her reaction to, to that being said I thought she had no idea um, you know that, that the, how the things happened and I thought Romeo just took over um, uh, Honestly, I think at that point I was like, "Ooh, I need to know a bit more about this douchebag called Romeo, because um, he's pissing me off right now." Oh yeah, genuine piece of shit. And uh, and then he gets to the point where the, uh, the judge says he cannot condone this kind of behaviour, uh, so he will sentence Jolene for fifteen years in prison, which is crazy. And it, it basically turns out at this point, you see the lawyer show his true colors, as, as was quite obvious from the very beginning, this guy's fucking evil. Uh, he turned out to be evil. He set up Jolene. Then it turns out he did it oh, for Romeo to get him off the hook. And poor Jolene is now completely screwed and is basically going to be in prison for 15 years. 
and it was just it was really emotional to see that moment for me just the whole act of betrayal was a powerful thing to see and and what jojo's does so well when they show someone betraying is they 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 start to show this incredible inhumanity like the way they start showing the lawyer's face and his eyes he looked like more of a creature than ever before and you thought fuck but then again i thought why the fuck did you trust a satire anyway yeah, <laughs> this yeah, guy's yeah. You're absolutely right. Like freaking dark elves, man. They do it to you every time. Yeah, all the time. Uh, so then we uh, we we hear uh, Jolene basically just lamenting and having a bit of a breakdown about this, as you can imagine. We go to the next scene where we see two weird ass prison guards with fucked up hair. Well, one kind of looked like I don't know what, like three feathered dusters. On the back of her hair, blonde, and the other one, I don't even remember what she looked like. But, you know, barely human, as is the growing narrative in Stone Ocean. And they're telling Jolene to take her clothes off and to pose naked, to, to oh, make a mockery of her. Say that again? That scene blew my mind. That scene blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of memes going on about Jolene's ass, which is understandable in that particular scene. And it was it was fantastic how Jolene kind of subverted the whole uh, attempt of them to objectify her, these two female prison guards, by just posing in the most comedically sexual way that stopped it being sexual. Of course, uh, one of the great things about anime is they played comedic JoJo's music in this part as well. And, and once this is over, and we see the classic mugshot of Jolene, who I believe is about five foot six and a half for you stats fans. Uh, she looks through a window and sees the evil lawyer. And the evil lawyer is speaking to someone who turns out to be the warden of Green Dolphin uh, Prison. And this guy's fucking weird, man. I mean, he, he's the weirdest person so far. He's, he's what, like two foot three or something? His, his eyes look like asses. Uh, his head looks like a whelk <laughs> yeah. seafood. He's got a yes. tuft of hair at the front. And I'm thinking... How is anyone pretending this guy is remotely human? Seriously. He has the most ass eyes I've ever seen in my life. Oh, what were you thoughts oh, about man. this guy's look? Man, I, this is when, you know, like, you get these initial inclinations that people look slightly less human, right? From the lawyer, that that uh, prison guard with the, the three, I don't know, pizza rolls on her head. <laughs> um, yeah. And then this guy comes into the scene. You're like, what the hell are you guys doing? Seriously. Who drew this, you know? Yeah. What was Iraqi taken when he designed that guy? But man, yeah, I, anyway. You know what? Yeah, Iraqi man is just going to be Iraqi. Yeah, Iraqi's going to Iraqi. As the saying goes, what a he's saying I've just made up. I mean, he, he is his world. Mm -hmm. And we are merely visitors in his infinite galaxy. Uh, and you see that. The lawyer is proclaiming to have tried his best to the warden, which we obviously know is bullshit. I mean, the only thing he tried his best to do was to get her at shit. Uh, and mm -hmm. the warden hands over a note that Jolene wrote specifically for the lawyer. And I wrote this because I thought it was really cool. It said, feeling comfy, mm -hmm. but you will keep sweating now and forever. And obviously we're thinking, what is this? And the lawyer is 
continually mentioning how warm he is. And uh, the last thing Jolene says is, farewell, my first love, which was quite dramatic and probably apropos. Uh, and we, we progressively see the lawyer getting hotter and hotter. And then he gets in his car and, I mean, the, the guy needs to use his air cone or open a window or something. But he obviously wasn't doing that. And it turns out that he's got the spirit web tied around his neck and he is choking, seriously choking. His neck's going completely red. He's panicking because he looks like he's a moment from death. Uh, which causes him to crash violently into the side. I thought, fuck yeah, good. Uh, then we see the string uh, reacts to Jolene's force, and she can manipulate it with the force of her mind. That's me paraphrasing what she actually said herself. Uh, yeah, what did you think of what happened to the lawyer? Um, you know what, like... Um... What, when I when, she, when I first read that note that she wrote for that lawyer, I was thinking, "Ooh, shit's about to go down." You know, I didn't think it'd be that soon. <laughs> um, yeah. And as soon as as soon as I saw, you know, he started to choke, and then rammed into the side of the um the bridge. Um, and essentially, you see the the, the crash. Um, what I noticed was, besides obviously him being fucked up, like you know, his face completely smashed teeth everywhere right um his hand was coming out of the car window and the note crumbled up in, in a sort of like a, a messy piece of paper right there in front of him and that was the end of that scene and it was so poetic you know like poetic justice um that you know i think i paused it and just looked at that scene for for like a few seconds thinking damn <laughs> you know you, you reap what you saw Absolutely. I was I was really pleased to see Jolene get her revenge because it was it was very uh frustrating watching her get screwed over so uh potently in that episode. And then we we basically see the episode come to a close with an unknown person carrying the keepsake charm in their hand and we get the classic to be continued. And so concludes episode one of Stone Ocean. And, and any uh, final kind of roundup thoughts here, FT? Uh, the last thing that person holding the dependent said was, um, "If uh, it's got to be fun." Wrong, but I think, um, yes, this has got to be fun. Yeah, and that was the you know that's the exact thing going through my head as a, as a viewer. I'm like, oh, this series is gonna be fun. Um, yeah, straight up. And so I thought, I thought it was really aptly, yeah, aptly, uh, aptly done. Um, man, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I don't remember a start to a to a JoJo's that was this powerful. Yeah, it was very action packed indeed, and and a couple of things I have to mention as well that I don't know why it is with JoJo's, but. They just refuse to use the OP as an opening in the first episode. They're like, no, you have to wait. You have to wait for that. Let's not come until episode two. You know, oh, so yeah. obviously we're, we're both wondering, what the hell is the, is the theme going to be? What's the intro going to be? But we'll talk about that more in, in episode two. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was incredibly powerful. Uh, 
I instantly I felt deeply attached to this. And yeah, and unless you have anything else to add, FT, I think uh, if you don't mind, I'd quite like to have you on the Wolf's Court for episode two of Stone Ocean. Hey, my, my pleasure. Um, I like man, this series, like straight away, blew my mind away. So I'm, I'll happily join you for the next one. Um, and you know, if if I'm if I was to leave, you know, your listeners with with anything, is um, Keep asking yourself, um, why do you like Jolene so much? Because I, I think after after the series, Jolene has cemented herself as my second favorite Jolene. Oh, big words! And uh, your first, unless I'm mistaken, is Joseph. Yes. I'm not sure who. I guess I always go for Jotaro, but it isn't. There's not a, a Jojo I dislike. Well, I mean, sorry, Joel. I'm sorry. He's a, he's a nice guy, but come on, you know, get back, please. Don't have to be gentle all the time. Sorry, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's probably Jotaro for me, but it's early days, and Jolene is she's kicking a lot of ass already. So until episode two comes along. It's uh, a keep on trucking from me and uh, a goodbye from FT. Yeah, see you all next time.